Hello, all you slut enthusiasts, fellow sluts and perverts. Welcome to the Slut Next Door podcast, and I am your slut next door. I am a taboo phone sex operator, audio porn creator, and just an overall slut who wants to talk about being a slut, kinks, fetishes, and all the dirty things that hide inside of our heads. For today's episode, I have a very special guest on named Mary Max. She is a proud transgender cock mommy content creator. We discuss so much. This was one of my favorite interviews to do. Her journey through transitioning, insights on being a transgender person in today's world, creating porn, and of course, we celebrate the beauty and complexities of transgender women. I will now take a moment to thank my Patreon perverts before the episode begins. My highest level tier called Special Lovers. I want to give a special thank you to Kevin, Nate, Jeff, Moby, Nigel, and Patrick. And thank you to my two goon slut tiers, Stroke Zombie and Jacob. And to my friends with benefits tiers, Hail, Murder Cube, Kai, Matthew, Moondogger, and Todd. And of course, last but not least, my one night stand tier. Thank you, L. Thank you to all my patrons for supporting, and thank you to you for just simply listening to the podcast. I appreciate you as well. If you are interested in supporting the Slut Next Door, you can go to patreon.com slash the Slut Next Door. Now, let's get into this episode with Mary Max. Here we go. All right, so I am here with Mary Max. And Mary That's Max, me. yes, Mary Max is a 24 year old transgender top content creator. Absolutely. Um, That's what I'm proud doing. of it. So there you go. And she's been doing it for two years mm-hmm. and is a woman that is proud to have a dick. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, most, most women that, you know, all the people who listen to your podcast have ever seen probably don't have a penis, you know, (laughs) but there are some of those who are just have some special anatomy and I am excited to share all the juicy little tidbits that come. I love it. And I have to tell you, I'm jealous you have a cock because the first time I put on a strap on cock, I was like, what the fuck? This feels amazing. This feels amazing. Like it's felt so powerful to have that thing. I know. It's just a, it's just a big sense of like power. Mm. That's what I've always heard from women who try strap ons Mm -hmm. for the first time. It's just that they feel like they have a sort of a new stature in their relationships that they sort of have a, you know, for lack of a better word, a weapon (laughs) that they could utilize between their legs to sort of exert themselves onto others. Mm -hmm. 
Um, that's what I always hear from, uh, I guess, pussied women who try that for the first mm. time. Um, is that they could take the more, I guess, aggressive role yeah. in the bedroom, the more, the more active yes. role, I suppose. And, you know, just kind of insert themselves into mm. others. And, you know, that's just always a sensation that I have loved. And even though I have been working to change my gender, it's not something that I've wanted to ever give up because it is definitely something that suits me mm. well in the bedroom because, you know, whenever I am, you know, having relations with a woman who has a pussy, um, that kind of sense of power just makes me happy. <laughs> and a lot of them say they wish they could experience it too. Yeah. So if anything, I feel blessed to have been born with this anatomy <laughs> that I have. Um, and I just think that being a woman with a dick is a very powerful stance mm. and a very, you know, something that just appeals to me mm. quite a bit. And I think also appeals to some other women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You wear it well, I have to tell you. And I'll, and I'll, before we really jump in is I have watched you on Twitter for a while and I am just taken aback by, for one, you're gorgeous and you're completely just oh, thank sexy you. as hell, you know, but even more than that, I think what really draws me in is you wear that feminine body and that cock like no other. You wear it like with a sense of just dominance and confidence. Um, yeah. Well, I know the inherent power that comes behind having a body that's kind of outside of the mainstream mm -hmm. knowledge of, mm -hmm. you know, most people, because, you know, especially when you're working in porn, um, having sort of a unique body type is something that uh, both sells pretty well and, you know, obviously sets you apart from mm -hmm. the crowd. So you could, if you find, uh, working in porn and adult video production is all about finding a mm -hmm. niche. It's all about, you know, finding that thing that gets your fans all hot and bothered and riled up and something that, you know, you're best suited to provide given your demeanor or your uh, body mm -hmm. type. And since I've always been, you know, someone who takes great effort in, you know, improving my physical strength, you know, I'm a big, big believer in going to the gym and exercising on a very consistent mm -hmm. basis and keeping the muscle tonage mm -hmm. right. And um, I don't believe I've told you this, but I got into it, adult work through dominatrix work, actually, mm. around about two years ago or so, uh, where I would do in-person sessions and, uh, you know, whip guys, shock guys with shocking mm. toys, do dominance role play with yeah. them, um, and such like that. The first thing I ever did to get me into adult work is back when I lived in New Orleans, you know, they have the French Quarter, they have Bourbon mm -hmm. Street and all the 
and all the uh, street performers out there doing their things, peddling their wares, you know, doing showmanship of any given type. And I remember one day when I lived there, I was just decided to try something new, get all up in a dominatrix get up, take some whips out with me and go out and just whip people out on the street to collect tips and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Sort of public displays of domination in order to, you know, rile people up, have them help them have a nice vacation and, you know, just generally be a dominant bitch out in public. Perfect place to do it. Yes, absolutely. I'll have to send you a video of that after this. But, but, um, so since I kind of entered into the world of adult work through domination, pro dom, dominatrix work, I also did in person sessions around that time, uh, sort of fitting into a more dominant role when it came to producing videos and pictures for internet consumption, uh, was very much a natural progression Mm. for me. And it's one that I don't feel like I could stray from right now because I love it. My fans love it. I very do much like producing porn for online. I think it is something that, you know, just kind of lightens up my soul a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I cannot imagine doing anything else right now. Uh, I don't make porn mm-hmm. like you, but. Oh, it's given me the type of financial freedom yeah. that I can't, you know, I couldn't give up. And plus, I love being the cock mommy to all these little <laughs> boys who follow me. I love it. It very much makes me happy. I feel like I've got a nice, solid yeah. fan base, a nice, solid family, I'd almost yeah. call them. Of, you know, little ones who, you know, just dream to be taken care of by a more dominant woman. Isn't that sweet? And, (laughs) yes, yes. And, you know, their dominant woman just happens to have a penis. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised because I get a lot of mommy lover customers that that want food to mommy. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, that is exactly the type of boy who Mm. come to me. And they're the exact type of boy that I love the Mm. most. Now, let me ask you this. You know, the, we say futa, which if, if you're listening and you have no idea what that is, because I do come across people that don't know what it is. Futanari. I said it right, right? That's the way you say it. Futanari. Yes. Uh, From what I understand is a started like basis in anime. Isn't that right, Mary? Mm-hmm. And it's basically a woman with a cock and a pussy was the original. Yes. Right. And so my question for you is I understand, and I think I only understand this from Crazy Gone Wild Audio. They don't allow Futa audios anymore because it's supposedly offensive to trans women. Oh, I don't find it offensive mm. at all. And no, not at all. I, I find it to be a, you know, a good repres- a good fictional representation mm-hmm. of what it's like to be a transgender person. And quite honestly, as a transgender person, I have felt in the past that Futanari audio and content is very affirming for me because it shows that, you know, people are both attracted to and are aware of 
um, and find excitement in people with my body type, which a lot of transgender people have trouble mm. finding, um, have trouble realizing that our bodies can be just as appealing and just as beautiful as, you know, women of other body mm -hmm. types. I don't believe Futanari content is offensive whatsoever. In fact, I think it's a bit more offensive, quote unquote, to say for them to speak on our behalf when it comes to that kind yeah. of stuff. Because, you know, I like women with penises. <laughs> it's, it's no big deal. You know, I think a lot of especially non-trans people who, you know, think they know about <laughs> trans issues often like to speak for us, mm. often like to, you know, say, be offended on mm. our behalf when honestly, unless you're just like out and out, like cursing me out and being an asshole to me, it's very hard for me to get offended because, you know, I call myself a shemale tranny, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff, you know, and I don't mind it when other people call yeah. me that. Um, you know, I get a lot of mileage off of advertising myself with those terms oh. like that. And even Fudinari is the term yeah. I use to describe myself quite a yeah. bit, even though I don't have a pussy as well, yeah. you know, it's still a fictional representation of people who have body types similar mm -hmm. to us that I know a lot of trans people find affirming mm -hmm. and a lot of non-trans people find very, you know, yeah. appealing and interesting. Yeah. I don't I don't think that it's a negative term whatsoever. I'm so glad to hear that. And you know, it's I've actually come to you asking you, hey, if I use shemal, is that a negative term or or tranny? Because um is that typical for some trans woman to be offended by that term? Um I would say yeah. some I think a lot of trans people kind of view that term as being like, well, if another trans person calls me that, that's kind of a in an in-joke mm. kind of thing, I mm -hmm. guess. I mean, a lot of trans people probably wouldn't like it if you went up to them and like called them a she-male, but I don't think many trans people tend to mind if you just like casually say it as a descriptor of a, a certain type mm. of porn. You know, it's kind of like saying, you know, bbw or or something like that you know it's a descriptor that's probably best kept in porn i wouldn't call a trans person like in your everyday life <laughs> yeah. a female because that would be kind of assholeish but i would say as a descriptor of a certain type of pornographic content it is definitely a pretty apt term sense. and not one that i don't think a lot of trans you know, because a lot of a lot of trans content creators use that term to describe their mm, content. Yeah. So I don't think a lot of them would really be too up in arms about, you know, their content being called that yeah. kind of stuff. But they wouldn't want to be called that in their vanilla life, you know? Yeah. Those terms seem so outdated, mm. like from like the 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah, a little mm. bit. They, uh -huh. they do. There's there's no denying that. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I definitely wouldn't disagree. I would say, you know, when you're referring to a trans person, it's not that hard to just say a transgender mm -hmm. person or that transgender yeah. person, yeah. you know. But, you know, 
I call myself shemale, a shemale sometimes. Mm. Honestly, it's kind of something that, it, it's kind of a word that excites oh. me at times, if I'm not going to lie. I'm kind so. of like, I'm wondering if it's, if it's like slut or bitch or whore for me. Kind um, of the similar sensations, yeah. yes. Yeah. Kind of demeaning just in that way where it's kind of exciting, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just like those terms, bitch, slut, whore, whatever, um, different trans people have different views on them, and it's best to be cognizant mm-hmm. of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And if they prefer not to be called whatever term, you know, it's best to just err on the yeah. side of caution away yeah. from it. Makes sense. I mean, just like a it, just like a woman with a pussy. I mean, I'm, I'm sure not many people, I would hope, would be like, hey, slut, and you don't even know them. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If somebody on the street did that to me, I would be yeah, kind of upset. Same. And speaking of people on the street, I do get that sometimes where people out and about recognize me from my content. Oh. Um, and a few weeks ago, actually, this was probably like six months ago at this point, I was at the local Target, mm-hmm. right? And a uh, person who, you know... Well, it wasn't a Target near me, actually. It was one that was in a different town mm-hmm. nearby. Um, he recognized me from my content. And he came up to me in the Target and was like, Hey, you're Mary Max, aren't you? You know, I masturbate to your content <laughs> all the time. I love oh. she-males. Oh, he said she That's an example of a... <laughs> yeah. He, he said, I love she-males. And I was like, wow, you're not someone who I want to be around. <laughs> yeah. I the, Literally what I said to him was, okay, in that loud voice. And then I just walked away from him. Oh, bless him. Yeah. That's definitely a tip I would give to mm. listeners of this podcast is if you see a, you know, adult video producer of any type who you're a fan of out in the wild, be respectful to them and remember to treat them like you would any other human being with respect and mm. tact and don't just go up to them being overtly sexual right off mm. the bat, you know? Mm. Like, it might have been better if he came up to you and be like, I'm a big fan. Um, I think you are a gorgeous Yeah, if he woman. just said... Mm-hmm. Be, yeah. Exactly. If he just said that kind of stuff, I would be more yeah. understanding yeah. of it. Because, you know, I've gone to conventions and stuff in the past in my role as a pornographic producer, and people have done exactly that, where they come up to me and we're respectful, and they're like, hey, I recognize you, you know, you make good content, I respect that, you know, they, they come at me with mm-hmm. respect instead of just saying, I masturbate <laughs> to your stuff all the time, I love she-males. <laughs> so... That's definitely a situation where I do would yeah. not like that yeah. term. Got you. Well, thank you for that mm-hmm. for that lesson, Miss Mary Max. <laughs> You're welcome, Miss Beatrix. <laughs> so let's talk about. I'm I'm so curious, and I've been so excited to hear about your experience and your journey realizing your transgender. What that was like what it was like to come out the actual transitioning and then now as someone, because I, I feel like, and don't let me speak for you, but it just watching you, it feels like you 
embody a woman. Uh, so now living mm-hmm. as someone whose gender has changed. So tell us about that. Yes. So, you know, as with many transgender individuals, I had felt like my gender, you know, my, my outward presenting gender did not feel congruous with my mental state for much of my childhood. You know, when I was younger, I always preferred to play with girls, mm. you know, not because, you know, like with boys, I felt attracted to them, although I would say I'm more attracted to women than men, but it was more just because I felt more similar to them. I felt like my interests, my emotional states, my cognitive state definitely felt more congruous with the women in my life. I always felt a stronger familial connection with my mother than with my father. Um, And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't understand that sensation. You know, there's a lot of talk nowadays about, you know, transgender children. And let me tell you, most transgender people do not aren't that cognizant of their emotional Mm. state when they're still, you know, in Mm. puberty or whatever. They're at that point, they just feel like, oh, I hate myself. Oh, my body doesn't feel right. Oh, I don't know how to fix any of these issues because, you know, you're a kid. You don't know anything about about how your body works or about, you know, right. psychology or your own psychology. Um, all I knew when I was that age is that I preferred to be in the company, the, the, the friend, friendly company of other women over other boys because you know i just always thought the boys were smelly and and gross and vulgar and all those other descriptors i always you know that never Mm -hmm. appealed to me certainly not and um i always liked being pretty and you know when i was you know 14 through 17 that range i would you know go and steal some of my sister or my mother's clothing to just try on because when I was a kid, I was home alone a lot, Mm -hmm. right? Um, My sister was off working and so were my parents. So I kind of have free range to explore myself with their stuff. (laughs) Um, And when my sister eventually found out I was doing that, she was actually very supportive of me. And gave me some of her old hand-me-downs to try on, which I am very very thankful of to this day. Yes, and she gave me some basic makeup tips as well. Um, I am very grateful for Mm -hmm. her for that. Now, in those younger years, you know, a parent always suspects that kind of thing when their, you know, kid is kind of sneaking around and cross-dressing behind their back. I, they definitely suspected it. And they found some websites I was on that were like, you know, either transgender support groups or like sissy role play mm. channels, even though I wouldn't describe myself as a sissy anymore. Um, you know, and, you know, they didn't like that. My dad always called me a pussy about it. He was like, wow, uh, little boys like you shouldn't be involved in this kind of oh pussy my shit. God. You know, cross-dressing and pussy all that. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And in those early days, porn, you know, 
I yeah, I was a teenager looking up porn, you know. It was pretty much everyone in my age range, you know, that sort of Zoomer mm-hmm. age grew up with the internet and like pretty much as much access to porn as we could stomach. And in those days, you know, I was certainly searching through that kind of mm-hmm. content. And I found transgender women. Um, you know, they were women with penises. They were women who, you know, despite their outward appearance, had a certain anatomy that I felt meshed with me. And that was really my first introduction to transgender people for however healthy that is, that my first <laughs> intro to trans people was through <laughs> porn, but it was, you know. And... I don't know, I took a lot of pride in the idea of thinking that I too could be a woman with a penis and have that be not only respected, but also, you know, cherished mm-hmm. by people. It was a very affirming idea to me in those mm-hmm. early days that that could mm-hmm. be a thing. Um, because, you know, this was like 2015, 16 or so. There wasn't a lot of representations of trans people in media quite yet. There's still it's still kind of lax in that regard, even though it's getting better yeah. nowadays. Um, so back then, trans people who are my age, that was really the first way that they gained experience of transgender people through media. You know, that wasn't like outwardly demeaning was through pornography. And, you know, for better or worse, I guess that kind of shaped my conception of what it means to be trans. Mm. I don't believe that's entirely a bad thing. I don't think it might be the healthiest, (laughs) but I don't think it's the unhealthiest either, you know. And so, you know, in those teen years, I began to learn, you know, that there are certain procedures that you could take as a transgender person to sort of feminize your body, to make it feel more congruous with your gender identity. And when I turned 18, which is the age at the time you could do it without parental consent, I told my parents, who by then had pretty much known that I had these feelings, hey, I'm going to do this whether you like it or not because it is going to make my life better. I know it will. And, you know, they didn't like it at first. They kicked me out. Um, Although they have since apologized for that Mm -hmm. and now are very supportive of me. And I now have a very good relationship with both of my parents. Although it was very rocky for a little bit there because, you know, they don't know how to... You know, people of the boomer age don't really know how to deal with those yeah. feelings because back in the day, it was something you didn't talk right. about with anybody. Um, you know, transgender people have always existed, but until the last few decades or so, it's not something you mm-hmm. talked about with anybody. Sure. Yeah, Not any um, movies to watch or books. To not watch. any movies to watch. It wasn't yeah. in fiction. If you, you were, If you were trans or gay... Really, you didn't tell anybody. You kind of just silently went off on your own. Um, so I started the process of gender transition when I was 18 years old. 
Um, pretty much as soon as I turned 18 years old, I went and I got my hormone medication. It started out with pills, the estradiol and spirolactone pills, which are the, of course, estrogen and anti-androgen, um, uh, routine that transgender people take in order to adjust the hormonal levels in their body to sort of get those secondary sexual characteristics all changed mm. up to a way that they want them. And over time, I felt that, you know, my curves came in, my, you know, mood kind of lightens, my voice lightens, the facial and body hair definitely listened. Um, I love the changes that mm. came with it. I love the adjustment to my lifestyle that came with it. I loved living as a woman instead of as a man. And really, I have been much happier in my adult years than I was in my teenage mm. years. And I credit that mostly to the process I went through of gender transition. I am very happy that I did that early on mm. in my life. And six years into it, I don't regret a single thing. That's wonderful. I love to hear that. I am very proud of my mm -hmm. body. And I am very proud of the journey that I have had. And I am proud of all my transgender brothers and sisters and bathers <laughs> in their mm. journey through gender transition yeah. as well. That has to be... Um a very like scary experience like when you first make that decision, oh absolutely you know that just it kind of overwhelms me to think about that you know um well it is definitely a big <laughs> life change it's something you've got to have some real cojones <laughs> to you know be willing to initiate for mm -hmm. yourself because you know, most people the idea of making such a big life change to their body and to their you know, to their place in society and their relationships with the people in their life like that. It's scary mm -hmm. for a lot of people. It definitely is. It's, you know, kind of like sacrificing a part mm. of yourself. I feel like I sacrificed the boy that I once was to become who I mm. am now. But with a lot of sacrifices in your life, you don't do it without a yeah. reason. I didn't do it without a reason. I did it because I knew that I had to, for myself, find a way to live which made me feel like I fit into my body and into my interpersonal relations mm -hmm. better get to a place where I didn't feel like I was so dissociated and depressed all oh, the time. Yeah. When I was 18, I was about to give up on mm. things. And when you're at rock bottom, sometimes the best thing you could do is take a leap and hope it's the mm. right thing. And God bless, it was the right thing yeah. for me because... I am the happiest that I have ever been in my in my age so, now. That's so great to hear. Now, who because you said, you know, you your parents kicked you out at that time. So, did you have a support uh base kind of like a second family if you will at that time? 
Well, yes. For a little bit mm. afterwards, I slept in my car that I had at the mm. time. Um, I slept in my car, which was a truck with a, you know, enclosed bed. So it honestly wasn't that bad. I had a mattress in the mm. back, um, little electric fan mm-hmm. back there. It was kind of like living in a small RV, mm. honestly. <laughs> but after some time, I had a girlfriend at the time. Um, whose family took me in for a few years. I am no longer with this girl. We had some irreconcilable differences that led us to separate. But I had lived with her for about three or four years or so. And by that time, I had patched things up with my family. I had gotten a trade degree in a uh, field of work that I'd rather not mm-hmm. say here, just to protect my personal professional life. But I was making good money in and of myself at the time, enough to where I could live on my Mm -hmm. own and support myself, which I still Mm -hmm. do now. So current day, outside of the wonderful world of porn creation, what is it like to be a transgender woman in, in, you know, regular life? Well, you definitely get treated a little bit different than non-trans people. I think that some non-trans people think that they have to walk on eggshells around me. Mm. They might think that, you know, oh, what if I say something that upsets her, Mm. you know? And honestly, out-and-out transphobia is not something that affects me daily. It's not something that affects me much at all, Mm. honestly. Most people are generally very nice to the trans people and respectful to the trans people in their life. I don't really have anybody or any recent experiences that I would say made me feel uncomfortable as a transgender person. And, you know, I don't hide the fact that I'm trans either. I have a, you know, transgender-themed shoulder tattoo. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm not exactly mum on what and Mm -hmm. who I am. Um, I'd say the most annoying type of interaction I get with other people are people who kind of overcompensate when they learn that I'm trans and they ask like, oh, how is your transition going? Oh, are you going to get the surgery? Oh, um, what do you, what kind of genitals do you have? Oh, I'm just asking (laughs) questions. You know, I had somebody at, I had a server at a restaurant ask me that a few weeks ago when I was out with some of my friends, she asked me, what are you going to get the surgery? Oh my gosh. You know, what kind of genitals do you have? And she was trying I could tell she was trying to yeah. be respectful, yeah. but, you know, it just came across as very it's, intrusive and very, it's like... It's like common sense. Like, don't, don't talk t- about someone's genitals. I came here... Yeah, I came here to eat chicken <laughs> wings. I didn't come here to get asked about my genitals, you know? Yeah, yeah. You should have linked her to your porn. But really... Here, find out this way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but if anything, that's the most annoying Mm. type of interaction I get as a trans person is people who feel like they need to overcompensate when talking about it. Um, When it comes to, you know, people being rude to me because I'm trans, I don't know if it's because I'm in a good community, but I don't really get a lot of that. I'm sure some people probably are under their breath, but, you know, I don't give a shit about (laughs) them. (laughs) Yeah. 
So they could think what they want about me. I know that I am a bad mm, bitch. Yeah. So their opinions don't matter yeah. to me. You know, I, I'm i just going to go on a quick soapbox. It just, I get so annoyed with, and it's not just trans. It's the, it's kind of like calmed down a little, but I, I'm sure it's still there. The, uh, uh, the drag queen, like, the whole political whirlwind around that. And of course uh, the trans stuff. And I'm just like, you know, this is why people are walking on eggshells because I feel like it's all this narrative gets created. That's actually not real. So then. No, it isn't real. So then when people are. I tell you about that. I tell you about Mm. that. The only reason those narratives exist in social media or in the media in general or wherever is because there's politicians out there who know that they can't serve their constituents with, you know, anything they do in economic or matters that would make the, you know, that would make the lives of, you know, their voters Mm. better. So they engage in culture war Mm -hmm. topics and, you know, quote unquote, red meat Mm. issues you know, to sort of rile people up emotionally, Mm. Um, you know, and usually it's by just lies, out and out lies. I mean, I don't think there's ever really been an instance of a drag queen being, you know, sexually predatory um, towards a minor, you know, and if there has been, you know, we obviously repudiate them and think they're disgusting human beings. Um, But, you know, of course, there are cis men who do that yeah. as well, and they also deserve our scorn. But people want to bring attention to gay and trans issues because they need a wedge issue in order to distract the in order to distract voters from the fact that you know nothing is being done to actually improve our lives in this era mm-hmm. of you know big inflation and cost of living crises. Um, And there's a lot of people in the media that make a lot of money when it comes to, uh, you know, bashing trans people, saying that they're dangerous Mm. and stuff like that. You know, it's like the old satanic panic or, you know, fear mongering about gays in like the 2000s, you know, with your Pat Mm -hmm. Robertsons and all that being like, this is the menace in our society. Be scared. Mm. Also, watch my (laughs) content so you could be more scared, (laughs) you know. You know, it's just the cycle yeah. of fear. They, they're just exploiting a cycle of fear. It's very unfounded. And let me tell you, your average trans person is going to be a lot more sensitive when it comes to, you know, sexual exploitation. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of us were sexually mm. exploited when we were right. younger. Um, because, you know, when you're young and queer and or trans or whatever you're a lot more vulnerable yeah. to those to that kind of predatory behavior from the adults yeah. in your life. Well, my one of my favorite drag queens, I you know, when when all that was happening with the drag queen issues in the state of Tennessee, um, my favorite drag queen, you know, does a weekly YouTube and uh he was just like, Listen, I can't stand kids. Like I can't fucking stand kids. They get on my nerves. I don't want them. So why <laughs> Why am I going to, um, you know, invite them to my show or whatever? And I'm like, you know, that's probably. Yeah. I mean, performing for kids has to be 
for lack of a better word, kind of right. annoying, I would imagine. Right. And that's why I just <laughs> feel like like most of them, and I would, I, and I don't know, like maybe you can say, I feel like probably a lot of trans people are like, like I don't fucking care about kids. <laughs> like, I don't even want to like mm-hmm. look at them or hear them. Like, I don't care about them. I have no plans on having any of my own anytime <laughs> soon, although I would like soon mm. one day. But, you know, it's just fear-mongering yeah. at the end of the day. Well, you know, people want people want something to be scared of because, you know, fear yeah. sells. And a lot of people yeah. exploit that, the fact that fear sells. You know, and I don't even think a lot of these transphobic people actually believe that trans people are bad they just want a boogeyman because it Mm -hmm. sells to make people afraid of a boogeyman you know sort of put up some put up a scarecrow to be scared of and say look how scary the scarecrow is you know i just hate that right oh i do too and florida has a lot of that going on right now now florida has always been a very trans friendly state I have no problems being out in public mm-hmm. as a transgender person. Never really have, even when I lived out in the mm-hmm. rural parts. No one gives a shit, really. No one really gives a shit, except for, like, a few, like, old boomer <laughs> Facebook types who, like, post post shitty memes about how drag queens are coming for our kids <laughs> right. or trans people are gross right. or whatever. <laughs> It really doesn't affect everyday life because at the end of the day, it's a bunch of terminally online weirdos <laughs> who just want to be scared yeah. about something. <laughs> I love how you say that. Um, so what about uh, dating as a transgender person? What is that like? I would imagine. And, and here's a so, double one for you because I can relate to this. How is it to uh, to date or try to date as a transgender adult content creator because I find that's a whole nother level as well. So, you know, dating for me, I'm, I'm a pretty amorous person, I'd like to say. Um, I've had a girlfriend for quite some time who is very supportive of my, you know, pornographic mm-hmm. ventures. Um who sometimes films for me, takes pictures of me, um, and sometimes includes herself in some of my videos. If you see someone by the name of Pandora Pixel in my content Mm. sometimes, a blonde Mm -hmm. lady, um, she is actually my girlfriend who is very supportive of my work. Um, She is she films me she's a great photographer and she is even supportive when i film with other people and have relations with other people on camera um in terms of how i've met the people who i've dated in my life it's been relatively similar to how a non-trans person would you know i go i strike up a conversation with her um with with Pandora, it was, you know, through FetLife of all places, which is usually a cesspit of grotesqueness. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, I I met her on there. We had a date at a local gay bar for our first time and we hit it off, you know. I think a lot of trans people tend to find online dating a little easier just because, you know, it's more predictable. Mm -hmm. 
it's easier to outwardly say you're trans on an internet bio than it is in yeah. person where, you know, some trans people might be a little intimidated from admitting that out in mm-hmm. public that they are trans to a perspective, for, to a perspective dating crowd. Um, when you're trans, honesty is really the best policy when you're dating people, yeah. you know, let them know outright, Hey, this is who I am. If you, you know, and they should respect you based mm-hmm. off that. Sometimes they will, sometimes yeah. they won't. Sometimes people don't want to date a transgender person because they're, you know, because maybe a guy, if a trans woman is dating a guy, maybe they won't want some a partner with a penis, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, and that's fine, in my opinion. You know, I'm not going to make somebody date somebody who has a pair of genitals that they dislike. Right. You know, some trans people get up in arms about that. They're like, oh, I'm just like any other girl. It should be fine to date me just like any other girl. But, you know, we got to be cognizant about the ways in which our bodies are different. And just be aware that not everyone's going to be Mm -hmm. into that, you know. Mm -hmm. For me, I view it as people like having preferences based on personality or hair color or whatever, you know, it's not a bad thing to not want to date a trans person. It's just your preference. Um, So a lot of trans people kind of have trouble dating because of that, because, you know, many trans women want to date men and a lot of men don't want to date someone who has a penis and a lot of the ones who would be open to doing that are kind of chaser Mm. types who kind of fetishize Mm -hmm. that and you know that's not very appealing to a lot of trans people because we want respect in our relationships i personally felt as a trans person it's always been easier to date you know pussied women because i feel like they understand us a lot better Mm -hmm. than men do yeah, I and this is just, <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't surprise you at all that I I come across a lot of clients myself that are just way, way into tea girls. And I mean, they just mm-hmm. love them. And it's... It's one of the most searched yeah. porn categories after all. And it's more so this sexual curiosity Um, it's, it's not as much as, you know, I want to fall in love with this woman. It's more, I want to worship this woman, um, you know, and Mm -hmm. have her fuck me or or I want to fuck her or whatever. Um, I mean, it's definitely a different sexual proposition than a lot of men mm. are used to. A lot of men, I think, want to be taken out of their comfort zone like that. They're curious about what it's like to, you know, have sex with the penis, but don't exactly want to, you know, be quote unquote gay and, you know, get fucked by another dude. Mm. (laughs) I think that it's kind of, I think that difference in body type does appeal to a lot of people. Yes. But, um, when it comes, of course, that's different than dating where, you know, you like people for them. And I think, especially amongst trans women who date men it's 
definitely a bit of a struggle sometimes to feel like you're respected yeah. in a relationship as more than just like a sexual mm. object of sexual mm-hmm. desire, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, you know, I feel bad for a lot of trans women in that regard. I also know a lot of trans women who have boyfriends who are absolutely loving of them in every way and don't fetishize Mm -hmm. them and just treat them like they would any other girlfriends. Um, But it's definitely harder for trans women to get that sensation in their relationships, I feel, because it's very much most guys either would not be open to dating a trans woman or would be a little too open to having (laughs) sex with a trans woman Mm -hmm. to the point where it's a little uncomfortable (laughs) for us. Right. Yeah, I've never thought about that. That that does make me sad too. I mean, because dating sucks, just period, um, all around. And then to add another level of suck, uh, just sucks. <laughs> that was a lot of sucking. But you know, there's, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot to love, and you know, there's a lot to love when you're a trans person and you're dating because you can definitely find those people who love you for you. I found Mm -hmm. that. Um, I found that several times with several different girls. Um, And I don't really ever feel like I have a lack of love Mm -hmm. in my life. I feel like most people are very respectful and I feel like most I feel like most girls that I've dated have been willing to love Mm. me for me. Maybe that's just because I tend to date women above Mm. men. Uh, I do consider myself a lesbian for the most part when it comes to romantic relationships. Mm. And I found quite a bit of love when it Mm. comes to that. So it's definitely not all stuff. Well, I think with the, with the men, and let, let, I don't want to like shit on men, but hey, I've been a woman that dates and it's just, it's a suck. <laughs> it's a suck. It's so mm-hmm. much of a suck that I just don't do it anymore. And that's okay. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but so you recently got your boobs done. That was- Yes. I got a breast augmentation surgery about two months ago mm-hmm. or so. And it's been absolutely all up. It's been great. I have loved them. I love playing with them. I love showing them off. I love doing everything with them. It's one of the best choices oh, I've made. Yes. I love it. I was so excited to like kind of follow along uh, when you first announced it. And I was like, oh, that's so exciting. Uh, they look great on you. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you went oh, thank with like, you. the size that you did. I think well, it was a good size. I told my doctor, make them about the same size as my butt, so it feels, like, very symmetrical. Yeah, that makes sense. And, like, so what was it like, like, looking in the mirror and, like, boom? Oh, I uh, when I woke up from the anesthesia after the surgery and looked down at what my chest had become, I absolutely cried Aww. after that. It was, like, absolutely a liberating feeling to be, like... I have breasts now because, you know, some, some two girls get, you know, big honking titties off of just their hormone therapy. I have a lot of trans girlfriends who get like C and D cups just from their hormone therapy. 
Yeah, and it's crazy, but I don't know if it's my genetics or whatever, but that never really happened for me. I had very mosquito bite looking titties <laughs> for a little while and I was like I want something a little shapely I want something that'll kind of make my body fit more when tune with what I wanted mm-hmm. to and I'm not gonna lie sexual thrill kind of guided my mind <laughs> a little bit towards it because I do really love being the idea of that big mm-hmm. busty strong woman with the big strong yeah. penis you know <laughs> so You know, it was just an idea that appealed to me for quite a long time, and my porn career was going great. I knew it would really provide Mm. a boost to that, and it absolutely has. So I decided to take the leap. My doctors were all very respectful to me um, because, you know, many plastic surgeons work with a lot of trans Mm -hmm. people. We're big customers for them Mm. often. Um, And it went over very smoothly. And I have no regrets. It has absolutely been a life-changing thing. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't give them up. I love them. Wonderful. I think it just makes sense to be a woman on your knees, sucking cock and looking up and seeing tits. It just makes sense. (laughs) Isn't it a sexy idea? Just like, mm, just like having your whole field and having... A nice big honking pair of tits just suffocate oh your God, face. Yeah, yeah, love it. While your while your holes are just being <laughs> just filled and mm, railed, and it's just a sense of strength yeah. to that. Just the strength of I don't know tabooness that comes with not only feeling that but also being mm. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I do fetishize myself being <laughs> trans. <laughs> Because I just think being a woman with a dick is a hot proposition. Yeah, I mean, and I've dated other trans women mm-hmm. before, many other trans women before, and I've had sex with many other trans women mm-hmm. before. And I gotta say, I love that as well. Mm. <laughs> I love just seeing their titties dangling above my face while they're absolutely just showing me their strength and power. Hot, hot. Oh, it, it, it's just a. Trans girls tend to be very horny with each other. A little secret. (laughs) We tend to be pretty horny with each other. Maybe it's just because we are used... We we see each other in each other. You know, we see ourselves in them. We know each other have had the same experiences or at least similar experiences to us. We feel a kinship with Mm -hmm. one another. And I guess we just like exploring each other's bodies because mm. of that and just seeing the, the same kind of journey play out in somebody else's mm. body. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm sure it's kind of like a There's love just, thing. Like, you know, like. It mm. is a love thing because I view other trans women as my yeah. sisters. I usually call them my sisters. And. You know, I guess we just kind of get to know each other by just sampling each other's Mm. flesh and just feeling Mm -hmm. each other and just, you know, getting a taste for one (laughs) another. I I have to admit, um, a transgender woman is definitely on my bucket list. I feel I have this feeling 
Like it is the unicorn that I need in my life because I've been with women, women with pussies, and it's always been just a sexual thing. And I enjoy women sexually. I enjoy men sexually. I've always dated men. I've considered dating women, but there's, there's something there that's kind of like, uh, I don't want to say block, but just doesn't like interest me. So I've always said I'm hetero romantic um, because there is something about a man that just pleases something for me emotionally. Maybe it's my daddy daughter love. Um, so I think there it is the energy of a woman. And then also just a, just a bit of a swirl of that, of that daddy energy. Yes, the combination of the genders definitely gives you a different taste. It's kind of, I don't know, like a Reese's cup mixing your chocolate with your peanut butter. It gives you a (laughs) nice, special taste combining the two of them. I love that. That's another thing. And and it it definitely hits a bit differently Mm. than when both the genders are off by themselves, Mm. you know, when you're kind of tasting a combination of them it just provides you such a unique taste Mm. I believe to you know see the graceful curves of a woman just the delicateness for lack of a better word I suppose the smoothness along with you know that jutting hard symbol Mm -hmm. of just dominance that comes along being pierced with you know just pierced with them just having them come inside you just having them enter Mm -hmm. you oh there's it is definitely an exciting (laughs) thought i believe yeah as both a trans person myself and as a person who has had many sexual and romantic relationships with trans women in the past i mean the more i talk about the more it just makes because I think women are fucking gorgeous. Just who doesn't love looking at women? I mean, they're just the most beautiful creatures. Oh, I know, I do. And then I love cock a lot. So, boom, there mm-hmm. it is. In one person. Yeah. Exactly. When before I was dating couples, you know, to get both, it's a, a two for one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And I've dated a lot of couples in the past, too. And trans people are very uh, in demand amongst Mm. couples as Mm. unicorn play. I often go to a local uh, swingers resort near me with some of my trans friends where we kind of do uh, MILF hunting, for lack of a better word. Yeah, that's hot. Mm -hmm. Where me and some of my friends go and Mm -hmm. we meet couples and we you know, provide them with a fantasy that they've been looking for because trans people are a very popular fantasy amongst Mm -hmm. a lot of people, especially couples. So we go and we fulfill that fantasy for them and also get our own rocks off. (laughs) (laughs) It's me with my mid-episode disruption really (laughs) if you know my erotic audio work you know I specialize in hypnosis femdom and taboo 
I post on Pornhub, Reddit, also posting on a new platform called rplay.live. Go check it out. They're a new audio site. Anyways, I'll leave that link in my uh, description. I'll add it in there. But um, anyways, if you'd like to hear my like more of my erotic audios that aren't posted anywhere else, visit my loyal fans page. So I don't have a Patreon for my erotic audio work. I have a loyal fans and loyal fans is kind of like OnlyFans, but way, way better. And my loyal fans is not picture based, video based. It's all audios. Like, let's see, last week I posted a hypnosis file that won't be posted anywhere else. And you can join for just $2.50 for the first month. After that, it becomes $5 a month. And I promise you will have so many audios to listen to. You'll just be, you'll just be hooked even more. <laughs> so go ahead and visit that at www.loyalfans.com slash Miss Beatrix. That's M-I-S-S-B-E-A-T-R-I-X. Now, let's get back to the episode. Now, you've kind of touched on this uh, a little bit as you've been talking. You know, how do you, and then also, how does the trans community feel about trans women being so fetishized? Mm. Well, I don't think your average trans person is all too thrilled mm. about it, you know? Your average trans person who doesn't do porn and just wants to live their life, they probably just want to be viewed as any other mm -hmm. woman, which I also would like to be viewed as just any other woman. Um, I personally don't mind being fetishized just a little bit. I mean, I think everybody who does porn is okay with that to at least some extent or else we wouldn't <laughs> be doing porn because, you know, when it comes to porn, fetishization of bodies is just something that's mm -hmm. going to happen, you know? It's something I've made my peace with and it's something that I sell to in order to titillate my fans and, you know, appeal to them and you know, get them to buy my content, follow me on my sites, wherever. Um, it's the fetishization of trans people is something that has both helped me and annoyed me mm. at times. But I would definitely say there's some upsides to it because porn is a very lucrative path for a lot of trans people because there aren't a lot of us. We are very in high demand and... You know, it's it, nowadays it's easier to get into porn than mm. ever. So, you know, you take some pictures of yourself, take some videos of yourself. And a lot of trans people find that they, you know, can make a lot of money off of this. And since a lot of trans people definitely have a hard time finding employment through more traditional mm -hmm. means, porn has definitely offered an outlet to a lot of trans people to make money, fund their transition while still getting to kind of control their yeah. own business because there's a lot of money that could be made through, you know, the 
quote fetishization of transgender people you know and it's something that we could exploit it's not something that has to be like all uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for us at least i don't view it as being so it seems like you're a very level-headed person so you know it just makes sense that uh you're comfortable with that where where even if you just like you know a woman like born with a pussy uh like me that just is level-headed and kinky you know doing sex work isn't uh doesn't offend me where where it does offend some women no not at all doesn't offend me Mm -hmm. either and I also view it like this So, like I mentioned earlier, some of my first experiences with other transgender people was Mm. through porn. I think porn offers a valuable way to sort of get used to bodies that might be outside of your traditional knowledge, you know. I think that there are a lot of people who are more open to the idea of people with bodies like mine because they've seen it through porn, you know? They're used to trans people because they're like, oh, I've seen trans people in porn before. I know they exist. They're not surprised when they're introduced Mm -hmm. to a trans Mm -hmm. person, you know? I'm not going to say that, you know... that porn needs to be the only way that we normalize trans bodies... Because it would definitely be good if we were more prevalent in traditional media as well. But I do think that there's something good to be said about trans people's bodies being shown in porn and non-trans people being more used to our bodies through it. And not only that, but also celebrating Mm -hmm. our bodies and recognizing them as being having the capacity to be just as beautiful as a non-transgender mm-hmm. body. I would argue, and this just because I'm a fan of yours, I would argue your body is more beautiful than a non-trans woman. It's just something well, I just thank you. I put a lot of work into at. that. <laughs> I think a lot of trans people are very, very retentive about how they treat mm-hmm. their bodies. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, we've had a lot of years of dysphoria behind us. We've had a lot of years of, you know, feeling we got to make our bodies better for our own sake. I think there's definitely a good mental push for a lot of trans people to take good care of themselves. I go to the gym all the time. I'm there at least two to three times a week. I'm always working out because, you know, I just like keeping my muscles and my body in tone. I very I'm very uh, anal about how I keep up my skincare routine, my hair care routine, my makeup, all that kind of stuff just because I believe what you put out into the world in terms of your appearance does determine a lot of what mm. you get back as well as your own mood too. If you're out there feeling good, feeling yourself, feeling like bright, feeling sexy, then you're going to carry yourself like that. People will always notice. Um, So how did you get into, well, you explain how you started in the doing actual in, you know, in real life kind of dom work. 
how did that transition go into creating actual porn? Well, as I was saying earlier, I was, you know, I started out doing those live BDSM shows when I lived in New Orleans. And over time, I met with a local dominatrix who had seen what I was doing and invited me to work in her dungeon in the French Quarter, actually, for some time working with private clients, which was great money back at the time, especially when you're someone who has a different Mm -hmm. body type like me, who they are looking to fulfill a fantasy of a you know, someone with my body type, putting them down, you know, shaming them, insulting them, whipping them, hurting them, tearing at them, making them feel like (laughs) shit. (laughs) So I did in-person work for quite a while, probably about nine months or so when I lived Mm -hmm. over there. And I didn't have sex with clients, but there was times when I did like cocksucking training Mm. with them. Hot. (laughs) And that was great money. Like I would, I would train them to suck my cock to be like, well, you have to treat your mistress right. You have to learn how to treat the mistresses in your life right. And, you know, making a lot of these guys, usually rich guys, Mm. suck cock and put them down Mm -hmm. and demean them. It was very appealing Mm -hmm. to them. And it was appealing to me as someone who grew up kind of poor, just fucking insulting and shaming these rich (laughs) dudes. I loved doing that work, but there were definitely a lot of times where they were a little too grabby Mm. with me. And, you know, that was never good because I never wanted to have sex for money. No shame to the people who do do escorting work, but that's Mm. not me, you know? Um... So over time, I saved money doing that kind of work, enough to where I was able to afford to go to trade school and get a career that would be more long-lasting, because I never viewed dominatrix work as being something I would do permanently, simply because, you know, there were moments where I was kind of subject to violence or harassment when I was doing that kind of work. And, you know... Over time, I just kind of got tired of it. It was very sexy, and it was good work for quite a while, but it was definitely Mm -hmm. tiring work after Mm -hmm. some time. I wanted to have something that would be long-lasting into my old age. So when I started in my trade career, I started distancing myself from that, but a way that a lot of dominatrixes even get supplementary income is by doing online pornographic content, which is something that I started during that period of my life. Um, And it's one that, you know, wasn't that intrusive to my daily career. It wasn't something that I felt like I had to spend too much time on. And it's something that I could put a lot more personal, exert a lot more personal control over than I could over my dominatrix work. Um, you know, because I control what videos I make, I control when I post them, I control when I can take a break or not, and I control my interactions with people a Nobody's lot more. Nobody's groping you. Not having to see them. In, <laughs> I said no one's what? groping you. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's not as much of a possibility of being groped, which, you know, always disgusted (laughs) me. Um, So I started focusing more on that over the course of when I was going to school. 
And I just learned that I could make about as much money doing that as I could with the in-person dominatrix work. So I just kept up making porn and I learned to love it. I, I've always loved it, honestly. Like I make good money with it. It provides me a sense of economic, personal economic freedom. It makes me feel like an absolute mm-hmm. bad bitch. And it's fun for a lot of my gender mm-hmm. transitions. So I could both feel more beautiful as the woman I've become and also provide sexier content mm-hmm. for my fans. And my fans are wonderful. I love mm-hmm. all of them. They are the best little Aww. boys. They treat their cock mommies mm-hmm. so well. So what kind of content do you create? I create a lot of, I call it dick girl content, cock mommy content. <laughs> I call myself my boy's cock I mommy because, you know, <laughs> yes, I do very much take a motherly role at times being like, oh, you've got to work good for your cock mommy, little one. Come here and take, come here and suckle off of mommy's mm-hmm. milk, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I definitely take a more dominant role in my videos, um, in, in my pictures and such, because I believe that there is a lot of inherent dominance that comes behind being a woman with a penis. As we were kind of stating before, it is definitely something out of the ordinary, something that's kind of shocking to some people in a titillating way that, you know seeing such a hard jetting sword coming out from between someone's legs juxtaposed with nice soft curves nice luscious Mm. titties (laughs) it's definitely a titillating combination for a lot of people (laughs) and you know a lot of boys love futanari hentai a lot of boys love shemale Mm. content and a lot of trans girls I've noticed are very submissive types. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them don't really like topping. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just because they associate topping with masculinity. Yeah. Maybe it's because, you know, a lot of trans girls find after their hormone therapy, their dick doesn't work anymore and they just prefer to bottom and not have to deal with, you know, the stress of having to get it up for a video, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so there's definitely, I believe, a demand for um, transgender topping content, but sort of a lack of supply. And I am here to fill that because I believe I fit that bill mm. to a T. I think you have a great niche, too, with the cock mommy because a lot of men love a kinky mommy. For sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So they could come up and suckle off of mommy's Aww. bottle. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Do you mm-hmm. do you have any well before I ask that, currently you have videos. Where are those videos? And you said you had an OnlyFans, right? Yes, I have an OnlyFans and a many mm, vids, yes. So, and do you have like any free kind of, I mean, you do post a lot on your Twitter, so I guess that would be a a nice free place to go to to sample your work. Is there any other place? Yes. 
I would definitely recommend the viewers check out my Twitter, which is TSMaryMax, at TSMaryMax on Twitter or X or whatever <laughs> the fuck it's called, um, where you could definitely find a sampling of a lot of my different pictures and mm -hmm. videos where, you know, I'm dressed up in different pretty outfits, showing off my big titties and my big dick. And uh, there's some public videos on there that some of the viewers might find titillating, where I'm stroking my cock yes. outside. I love public. those, Mary. Um, love those. I know. I need to make more of them. They're just hard, obviously, yes. to film, because it's hard to find places to film porn yes. in public. But I'll definitely be making more soon because they're some of my Very favorites exciting. to make because I love, yeah. absolutely love the feeling that I might mm. get caught. And someone might see a big dick tranny <laughs> and just stroking their dick out in public. There you was know? one where you were, and it must look like you're walking down maybe a path to the beach. That's what it looked like. Mm -hmm. um, that just stands out in my memory. Um, I love the look yes. on your face, too. Yes, I was taken on a beach here yeah. in Florida. Me and my, me and uh, one of my friends were out at the. It was actually a nudist beach uh. on the east coast of Florida, and we found a uh, old abandoned road out on the barrier islands. And we were just like, mm, I'm just gonna go <laughs> film myself walking down this road naked and just like stroking myself, flopping my dick around, it. you know. <laughs> I love being nude outside just because, you know, part of me kind of wishes public nudity was more accepted. Yeah. Because public nudity is a huge fucking fantasy of mine. I've always been an exhibitionist. Mm. I've always just loved the idea of showing my nude mm. and lewd body out in public for all to see. Maybe that's why I've yeah, taken to porn yeah. so well. I've been to a nudist resort once, and I found it so beautiful. For me, the experience wasn't um, – I love swimming nude, but, like, just walking, it just – I'm too – that's a whole other story. But um, I loved being around naked people. It just was one of the most beautiful sights, and no one there looked perfect, and that's what I loved, you know? No. And that's part of the reason why I love exhibitionism mm -hmm. and new public nudism is because you get to respect the cornucopia of different body types, like not even just trans versus non-trans, but even just among non-trans people. There are so many different types of bodies out there, women with big tits, small tits, you know, tits outside the normal shape, uh, different types of waist, different types of bodies, different types of faces, men with different types of dicks. There are a lot of different types mm -hmm. of dicks. I don't think people <laughs> realize that, but they're, I mean, the, the, the large range of different types of penises out there mm -hmm. is amazing in itself as well. And that's part of the reason why I love public nudism mm. so much is because you get to see people yeah. bare and exposed and for who they really are. There's nothing to hide when no. you're doing that kind of stuff. And I think that's absolutely mm -hmm. beautiful. I spend a lot of time at nudist mm. resorts. Love I'm not going to lie. There are several in my area and awesome. I, I love sampling <laughs> them. Do you have any, with your sex work and your content creation, do you have like any long-term future goals 
you know, anything different than what you're doing now? Well, I just, I would love to film more public content. (laughs) Part of it is just getting up the confidence to go Mm -hmm. and do it though. And finding the right space where people, where someone's not going to see you and be like, Hey, she's stroking her dick out here and call the cops, you know, (laughs) especially since I live in a city, like I live in, I I, I live in a very urbanized area where people are Mm. always around Mm -hmm. currently. So it's kind of hard to find a space where I could go Mm -hmm. and do that. Um, other than that, I love. I like the trajectory I'm going. I'm hoping to get some lip injections mm. soon, so you know, kind of fit more into that bimbo yeah. space, <laughs> because I find that to be a very mm. appealing. The you know big dick sucking mm-hmm. lips. <laughs> so, I guess my goals with my porn is to keep changing mm-hmm. my body keep making it appear more and more enticing Mm. to my viewers and just keep stroking my dick and keep stroking my dick and just showing (laughs) everybody. I just love showing it off. Maybe filming with some new friends and stuff, but mostly just showing off this (laughs) dick and making people aware of the big, horny, big dick girls in their life. Great. I mean, if, if you're listening and you like dick, Go look her dick up. She's got beautiful, beautiful cock. I mean. I'm very proud <laughs> of my cock. I love my girl oh. dick. I wouldn't give it away for the world. A lot of trans people want to get surgery to turn their dick into mm-hmm. a pussy. And I get the I get the drive behind that. I will never do that because I love my penis <laughs> so much. Mm. I love being a big dicked mm. girl. Those are my preference, but I am a size queen. So, but I, I also really love those cute little tea girl dicks too. They're so cute. <laughs> they really are. Yes. The ones when they call them clits, it makes me yes. so, yeah, I think it's adorable. Yes. Um, now, how do you manage like your regular life? And balance, rather. Balance is a better word. How do you balance your regular life with your online sex work persona? I struggle with this personally. How do you do it? Well, I have a lot of friends in my personal life who are also adult video producers. A lot of my friends who I have in my life, I have met through this industry and, you know, became friends with because I worked with them at one point or... um, or just, I met them just normally and, you know, they were open to the idea of being friends with someone who is in the adult industry. I very rarely had any friends who are upset about it, but I also don't bring it up all the time, mm-hmm. obviously. You know, I try to keep pretty mum about it with my friends, especially my friends who aren't involved with it yeah. themselves. They're usually aware that I do it just because I believe it's a lot better if you're just forward with it and tell people rather than if they find mm-hmm. it by themselves. Mm-hmm. I think there's less of a surprise factor with it. And they're just like, oh, you do porn. That's fine. I that's a thing that you do instead of, oh my God, I just found this video online where you're absolutely fucking this woman, this woman yeah. with your dick. 
you know, it, it's definitely less of a shock factor if yeah. you're forward with it, which is how I am yeah. with many people. Pretty much everyone in my life knows what I do. It's an open secret mm. kind of a thing. But I don't yeah. speak about it a lot, if yeah. that makes sense. You know, unless they mm-hmm. ask me about it. If they ask me about it, I'll answer mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm sort of blessed to live in a amongst people in my life who are very open to the idea of yeah. doing that kind of stuff. Like, like even my family knows that I do it and they were taken aback by it at first. But I think nowadays they're just like, well, you do what you got to do to make money in this economy, <laughs> nice. you know? And I think that's what a lot of people yeah. view it as anymore. I don't think, I don't, I think the number of people who are shocked by porn is very minimal now compared to what it was like even mm. five, 10 years mm-hmm. ago, because, you know, after the coronavirus, everybody and their mother had an OnlyFans, <laughs> even if it was for like a week, you know, there was that, there was that time in like 2020 yeah. through 2022 where pretty much everybody was starting mm-hmm. one because, you know, they were locked down in their house, might as well try <laughs> to make money. A lot of them lost their jobs, so they might as well yeah. try, you know? So, I think a lot of people had experience with working in porn or at least knew somebody who tried for a little bit, you know? Um, So I think that the mystification around people working in porn is definitely a lot less even compared to what it was Mm -hmm. five years ago Mm -hmm. or so. I don't think many people really even care so much anymore. I... a lot of people I talk to just kind of treat it like any other influencer mm-hmm. gig. Like if I was a YouTuber or something like that, that it's kind of how I view it and kind of how a lot of other yeah. people view it. I guess I kind of view myself as like a dick girl influencer. <laughs> <laughs> love it. You know, just influencing people yeah. to love girl dick because girl dick deserves Absolutely. to be loved. Now I did mm-hmm. a little bit of, research uh just so i had the reference so i looked up uh pornhub released you know 2022 their data top categories and such so i looked at the transgender category and according to pornhub it grew by 75 percent to become the seventh most popular category worldwide Transgender was the number one viewed category in Brazil, the third most popular in the U.S. and Italy. So what is your opinion on this data? Why is transgender porn popping off like it is? Well, I think part of it has to do with we're hearing about transgender people in the news. We're hearing about um greater representation of trans people in media you know for what little there is you know you got shows like euphoria or whatever else going on where there's trans people who are appearing in our media now i think people are definitely more aware of us now than they were Mm -hmm. a few years ago which is probably leading them to you know wonder what our bodies are like I definitely think that there's a reckoning among some men that, you know, the combination of the masculine and feminine that's represented in the transgender woman is definitely something that is appealing to them. I 
think that, you know, internet trends, like, I don't know if you remember the whole our traps gay thing, but, you know, I think especially among younger people, there have, I, I especially younger people who are more likely to know a trans person mm. in their life are probably more likely to be attracted to trans people mm -hmm. sexually and have a fantasy about trans people sexually and are willing to, you know, look us up and see how sexy we are. They're just realizing how fucking sexy yeah. we are. I love it. I do. I'm telling you, one of my favorites mm -hmm. is to go to the subreddit. I forget the exact name of it. Um, maybe it's T Girls Gone Wild, maybe? Um, yes. There are quite yeah. a few subreddits like that. <sighs> I like posting my nudes in them sometimes, too. I love posting my nudes online, I girl. Just, and, you know, I, I initially went there because I was working with a sissy and they were interested in um, transgender women. So it was like a task to get. I gave them to, to look at that and I ended up looking at it <laughs> or I will get caught mm -hmm. in it. It's hard to resist, God, isn't it's it? It's just so fucking beautiful. Just the mm. juxtaposition. Yes. I'm I'm obsessed with it just mm -hmm. as much as you are, girl, and I am it. So, and I think that the independent artists, meaning the ones not in you know big porn studio productions, are more beautiful, way more beautiful. Um, but that's my personal personal preference. I like real yes, people. And and I, I I have actually worked with more established studios before. Uh, one of the bigger ones is Groovy Girls. That's definitely one of the bigger ones when it comes to transgender porn production. There's also like Trans Angels and, you know, a few other ones, mm -hmm. Pure TS. And um, I didn't like working with them at all because they very much try to control what your body is like, how you portray yourself on camera. For whatever reason, they don't really like it when you talk to the audience, which I always thought that's was weird. really dumb because I think <laughs> yeah. that's a wonderful way to connect with your viewers and, you know, turn them on through role play. Um, you know, and some of them could be pretty harassy sometimes, like... If you ever see a, a site called Pure TS around, they are uh, kind of known for treating trans people like absolute objects and uh, harass them like nobody's oh. business. That's a big problem for trans people when it comes to studio porn is we definitely face more harassment on set than mm. cis women. I mean, it's not like cis women don't face harassment on porn sets. They absolutely do at times. But I think trans people often do a little bit more simply because we're a bit more of a marginalized group in some ways. And, you know, usually have less resources or ways to fight back against that kind of mm. harassment. Um, I don't personally recommend any trans women who are listening to this and considering a career in porn. I you could make just as much money doing it by yourself if you spend the time to build your brand recognition, which is really the key is building your own brand. Let it be you're a sissy and you make, you know, cute little cute little videos of mm -hmm. being a sissy, being locked up in your chastity mm -hmm. cage or whatever. Or you're like me where you're the big strong dick girl who likes to bully her <laughs> viewers or, you know, whatever your vibe may be. Um, it definitely 
benefits the transgender pornographer more in the long term to develop their own personal brand, to think about what they want their brand to be like, and show themselves based off of that than to let a studio control for more instant money. It's definitely better short-term money, but I think being able to control your own content and your own influence is definitely better for mm. the transgender pornographer in the long Great term. Advice. Yeah. Great. Yeah, because I did, I did mm -hmm. studio work in those early days when I was first mm. finding my way. And I didn't like it. I didn't like being controlled on camera. I didn't like being told what to do because I know I'm a sexy bitch and I know how my sexy bitchness <laughs> comes out. And it's when I'm a big, strong, dominant mm -hmm. dick girl who bullies her mm -hmm. fucking fans, mm -hmm. who tells them to suck my, who tell, who looks them dead in the eyes and tells them to suck my cock, to watch my titties jiggle above their <laughs> fucking face, to let me come all over their face, i.e. come towards the camera which, you know, they didn't That's like so at the studios stupid. when you came in the direction of the camera, yeah. you know? That's one of my yeah. favorite things to do when I'm making solo content, at least, is to, you know, come in the direction yeah. of the camera so it feels like my cum is dripping all mm -hmm. over their faces because I know they want to taste cock yes. mommy's milk dripping off of their <sighs> cheek. Sloppy little hungry boys. <laughs> Yeah, sloppy little hungry boys tasting this dick girl milk. I fucking love it. Now, do you have any role models, you know, girls or men in the porn business, um, you know, from from the beginning, day one till now? Hmm, any role models or anything? I mean... In those early days, when I was first starting to build my own brand and seeing what works in the porn industry, I just kind of followed a whole host of different trans content creators and just kind of had a cornucopia of different, you know, different influences when it came mm -hmm. to it. Um, there are definitely voices out, I mean, transgender women out there in porn, like uh, uh, Nicola Ofon, who was an influence to me early on and is now actually a deep personal friend. Um, uh, Anna Andrews, another, uh, another she girl who has the same kind of stick as me, who is kind of portrays herself as kind of the strong bully type, um, who was an influence to me early on, but is now also a personal friend. Um, uh, and there's a lot of trans porn, influences I've had like that. Um, I wouldn't say many of them stand out more mm -hmm. than the others. I think I kind of had a vision of me from early on that I wanted mm -hmm. to do. I think it was a lot influenced by my past work as a mm -hmm. dominatrix and my love of, you know, kind of building my own muscles, my own physique and such. Um, and it just kind of came naturally yeah. from there, you know? Also influenced as I read a lot of Fudanari manga and right. hentai and stuff yeah. like that. Watch a lot of them. And, you know, oftentimes the dick girl is big and strong and dominant mm. in those mm -hmm. as well. Um, and that definitely provided me quite the influence <laughs> as well. That. 
I love how a piece of that was like, I'm my own role model, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Like, I have known generally the kind of vibe I've wanted to fit in through most of my porn career. Now, being able to control that and show it has definitely gotten better over Mm -hmm. the years. Um, But I've always known that I am a more dominant trans woman during a time when a lot of trans women aren't really dominant mm-hmm. per se or really yeah. tops. Yeah. I've always felt a little different from a lot of other trans girls in that way. And that I love being on top. I love controlling. I love being dominant mm. towards the girls and the boys mm. in my life and just making them feel my wrath and my mm. strength, holding them under my arm and just, mm-hmm giving them the thought that I could crush them at any fucking Mm. moment is something that turns Mm. me on. I guess the thing that, you know, guided my brand, me building my brand in porn was definitely what I found sexually appealing. Definitely what I found would be titillating to guide myself to. What kind of body do I want to have? I want to be a woman who is strong and dominant and assertive and controlling, who is nice and curvy, but also has that big, studly, just jutting symbol mm-hmm. of power between her legs that is the phallus. <laughs> And that has always turned me on. And honestly, I still kind of fetishize myself. Yeah. Now, um, I think that you are a perfect example of when I, when I talk to girls that want to potentially get into sex work is you've got to be yourself because you can find, I'm sure you can even find transgender woman like so easily so being able to stand out because you are just simply being yourself I mean yeah you you may like exaggerate certain parts but at the core of it it's who you are it's what turns you on that's another thing is being people could definitely Mm -hmm. tell when you're being authentic versus when you're not because there have been times where I've fulfilled customs where I am to be the sub or whatever. And I could definitely tell in how I act on camera that it isn't me, you know, people can definitely tell when you're excited or authentically excited versus when you're Mm -hmm. phoning it in, you know, that's the thing about porn is that sometimes you phone it in simply because you know, you got to do the work And I want to limit the amount of times where I have to do that. I want to do stuff that makes me feel authentically sexually aroused because I want porn to be fun for me too. That's part of the reason why I've kept it up for so long is because not only is it a good way to make money, but I also find it very fun and very affirming and very Mm -hmm. exciting to make porn Mm -hmm. of myself and to show nude images of videos of myself online. And I want it to stay exciting for me. So I am definitely going to focus and fixate on those things that make me excited, you know? So I have some lovely, wonderful Patreon supporters that 
I like to ask them when I interview some people, what do you, what do you want me to ask this person? So I gave them, you know, a general, general uh, outline of I would who love you were. To- Yes, I would love to answer your little yeah. boy's burning questions about <laughs> dick girls. So one question is, what's your favorite type of porn to watch or listen to? Well, I do very much like your audios for one, Miss B. I don't know if your boys have realized it, but I have written for you a few of your yes. audios. Isn't that right? Yes. We'll let them. We'll let them wonder which ones that I have written for you, because I have always loved mm. audio porn for one. Because I don't know, there's just something that could hit at that poeticness mm. yeah. behind it. That you know, you could see two bodies slap against each mm-hmm. other all day. After a while, it gets mm-hmm. kind of tiring, and you just want something that appeals to the biggest sexual mm-hmm. organ in your body, which is yes. your brain big clump of nerves that you know often isn't quite as engaged when you're watching traditional yeah. porn because it's you know most porn is just very animal mm-hmm. brains what i like a lot about audio porn like yours is that it very much stimulates the mind and makes us think about mm-hmm. fantasies more in depth than a lot of video content yeah. does Because I think the lack of visual accompaniment definitely leaves a lot to the imagination. Mm. And I think that leaving some to the imagination is definitely a powerful tool when it comes to making pornography. Um, So I respect audio porn like yours a lot Mm. for that reason. I listen to a lot of audio porn Mm -hmm. when I'm gooning. I I will admit I goon quite a bit. (laughs) I'm often spending quite a bit of my time stroking my dick, sometimes for hours at a time. I I mean, I don't like, if I had your cough, I would be stroking it (laughs) 24-7. Yes, I do sometimes, (laughs) almost, just about. So, you know, I really like edging. Mm. Like, this might be a tangent, but I love edging, and sometimes I just love edging for, like, hours, Mm. Mm -hmm. you know? And just building and building and building and building and just having it hold held back. And I really like your edging mm-hmm. audios specifically mm-hmm. for that reason. Because they help me get bricked up and mm-hmm. stay bricked up for hour-long edging sessions. Yes. <laughs> but... In terms of other porn that I like, I love watching porn of other transgender women, of course. Um, I just find other trans women so appealing to me, both because they are very sexy and because I relate Mm -hmm. to them. And I could often see and I could often get influence for my own content through them. Um, I also... I also have a thing for like big fake mm. titties. <laughs> so I watch a lot of content with just big, absurdly <laughs> big titties. <laughs> when I'm watching non trans performers, I t- that's what I tend to go for when it nice. comes to porn. Um, I also watch a lot of hentai. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, I love hentai as well, <laughs> simply because it can get a lot crazier than in-person yeah. porn. Yeah. Tentacles. And sometimes and, you just yeah. like those crazy <laughs> scenarios, yes. 
Yes, tentacles, yeah. exotic locations, mm-hmm. you know, tons of people. <laughs> sometimes, and sometimes I'm not gonna lie, non-consensual mm. stuff does make me Same. quite excited as Same. well. Yeah, yes. I very, very much. I love to look up a uh, group, not group, uh, gangbangs, and I put in rough, and I look for the ones that look a little rapey in a way, um, <laughs> because mm-hmm. just, that gets me going. Yes, yeah. you've got good taste. <laughs> I agree very much. I don't know. It's just something about. Uh, thinking about non-consensual stuff, just the power behind yeah. it, the dominance behind it. I don't you know. know. It's su- surprising. Um, so many women are into that. You know, yeah. I've noticed it's more popular it's very, among women than men. It seems um, very fascinating. Yeah. I guess some women just like the idea of yeah, being misused. Yeah. Yeah, just mm-hmm. the power behind someone just taking what they mm. want out of yes. you. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I imagine being the aggressor and sometimes I imagine mm. being the victim. Mm-hmm. Hot. <laughs> now, another question that one of my good boys had was, uh, do you have any favorite books you can recommend? Oh, favorite books. Let's see. Oh, uh, what was the name of that one? So, um, one of my favorite books, right? Like I said before, I've lived in New Orleans for quite a few years. Um, so you're when you live in New Orleans, you're kind of surrounded by vampire <laughs> culture a lot. So I've read a lot of vampire books in my life. Um, some of my favorite ones are Lost Souls by Poppy Z. Bright, which is very trans, very gay, very just sexually titillating um vampire themed book that takes place within the city um and about uh you know two guys trying to rescue their girlfriend who has been seduced by a group of three very gay very trans vampires who have impregnated her and kidnapped her and kind of made them fall made her fall in love with them just by being like fucking virile as shit and i just i know i know i love it because it's just this like femi boy vampire who's just like dominant Mm. as fuck and just makes this woman just like absolutely fucking addicted to him just by fucking her just so good and it makes me (laughs) it 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 honestly just like (laughs) <laughs> makes me happy as a trans person yeah. to see that in my books. Um, I just finished reading Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy, which is an extremely violent book. Um, would recommend, but you got to have a stomach <laughs> to read that one. Definitely. Uh, that's that's mm-hmm. a bit of a classic. You know, we like a classic mm-hmm. novel. Um, it's a Western about this uh, young kid who goes off into the old West uh, circa you know, 1850s to kind of find his place in the world and then gets rabbled up in the Mexican-American War. It's a very violent book, which sometimes, you know, violence just kind of gets me (laughs) up. (laughs) I like, sometimes I just like reading fiction about just, just brutality, you know, that's a good book for that. Um, I had another one down here I wanted to mention. Um, 
Well, those are the two main ones. If you just give me half sure. a second, I could find this other one because <laughs> I don't remember the exact name of it because it's kind of long. Here it is. For the Love of April French is another one I have read recently. Um, it is a book about a transgender, uh, a young transgender woman finding her place in her world through exploring BDSM and exploring the different roles that come in to her life through oh. BDSM. Finding her place as a woman, exploring her new roles in life as a woman through the view of BDSM relationships and uh, BDSM identities. Um, it's one that I would recommend if people are looking for a more realistic view on transgender people in the world of sex work or BDSM spheres or subcultures. It's For the Love of April French by Penny Ames would recommend. Um, that's another great book I've finished recently. Wow. So there are a few of my favorites that I've read recently. Great recommendations. Yeah. I would recommend I would recommend them. Thank you for that. But I'm I must admit I don't read a lot yeah. of books. Maybe it's just because I'm a young kid nowadays where, you know, I spend too much time on like yeah. TikTok or whatever. But Yeah, life is just so crazy busy. Um, sadly. Mm -hmm. um, so next question. I love this question. I thought it was so lovely. What are your peaceful moments like? Well, as I alluded to several times during our talk today, I spend a lot of my free time at um, the gym. I love working out. Absolutely, some of my most peaceful moments are at the gym when I'm pumping iron, when I'm doing my sit-ups, when I'm on the treadmill running and jogging, when I'm doing my back extensions, when I'm doing my leg curls. I love the feeling of moving my body. I love the feeling of putting work into my body. It feels so rewarding to go and improve my form. It feels very affirming to do that. And it's absolutely my most peaceful time to put in some fast-paced music and go and work out. I love the gym a lot. I spend a lot of time there. Um, I'm also quite the fan of heavy metal music and often go to concerts uh, relating to, you know, heavy metal, death metal, that kind of stuff. And uh, I find a lot of peace in those concerts where they've got the mosh pits going and I love jumping in and beating into some people to relieve some of my stress. <laughs> May not yeah. seem like a peaceful moment, but, That's you know, zen. sometimes letting out... And sometimes letting out your zen means letting out, you know, some of your more violent impulses for a little bit. <laughs> I love doing that personally. Um, I also spend a lot of time meditating. Mm -hmm. I love helping out my friends with a good massage sometimes. Um, I, I often... Do you remember? Oh. Um, oh, when was I talking? Yes. Do you hear me now? Okay, um, so I was talking about working with massage mm. on my friends. I believe that mm. was what it is. Uh, you heard me talk about concerts, yep. right? Okay, so I was so sometimes I often work 
Uh, I am trained in massage mm -hmm. as an art form and as a healthcare method. Um, and I often find Zen in helping my friends out with that by offering them massage sessions to help them with the bodily pain that comes with them working in porn, which can be quite physically taxing mm -hmm. at times. Um, I feel a lot of peace helping them out with that. And I also ride my bike a lot. I love biking everywhere. I love the feeling of the mm -hmm. wind through my hair. And just even though I have a car, I love the mm -hmm. exercise and going out and getting sun that mm -hmm. comes with mm. biking. That is definitely something that has always brought me peace. I also play the lyre oh. harp, which... Interesting. Yeah. I play a little bit now, but it's horribly out of tune right now. Um, I could play some for you privately <laughs> later, though. Um, which lyre harp is kind of like a little mini harp that sits on your lap that you play. Mm -hmm. um, it's very, it's a very peaceful instrument. Very zen, very zen instrument. One of those that you could pretty much just strum along, do anything on, and it'll yeah. sound good at the end. <laughs> And then one of the most in question, <laughs> one of the most important questions that I will ask this episode <laughs> came from a Patreon supporter, and I'm so glad he asked because I've been curious. They would love to know how you keep your cock and balls so smooth. And I've noticed in your picture, mm, they are. Yes like amazing how smooth they look so what do you do yes so i often like to keep my cock and balls as hairless as i can simply because i believe that it is cleaner um when you're fucking people it definitely uh is a lot cleaner not having to deal with any kind of pubic hair being shoved into any <laughs> holes or having your nose being crammed into any pubic hair when you're sucking dick. So, you know, I like to keep them nice and shaved also because it makes your dick look a little bit bigger when it's nice mm -hmm. and hairless. Makes it mm -hmm. stick out more prominently. So I like to keep my cock and balls nice and shaved, as you all <laughs> can see. Um, and I often do that because I have been shaving my cock and balls since for many, many years now. That's the thing about it is that the first the first like dozen times or so you shave them, you will get some like razor burn and stuff. You know, all since it's very thin skin down there around your your genitals. Uh, sometimes the pores will get all fucked up once you shave them because, you know, you're sliding a razor over top of them and kind of deforming the skin a little bit. So the first dozen times or so that you shave your cock and balls, you'll probably see a little bit of razor burn, the red bumps that come along with it. And it might feel a little chafed and such, but um, one of the things you've got to realize when you're shaving your dick is that with practice and with doing it over and over, um, your skin will get more used to it after some time. We'll get used to the friction after some time. And the razor burn will get less and less the more you do it. Um, the first time will always be the worst. If your hair is too long, 
definitely trim the hairs down before you go to shave them. Trim them down to the base and then shave the stubble off. Because, you know, if you try to shave longer hairs, the risk that the razor burn will be really bad is a lot higher. So definitely trim that pubic hair down before you go to shave it. Um, and the product you use is also important. Always first make sure that your pubic region is nice and soaped up. Make sure it's clean with some nice soft soaps. Nothing too harsh, nothing with sulfates that could clog your pores or anything. Um, clean up your dick. That's what a lot of guys forget <laughs> to do. A lot of guys forget to clean their dick, I've noticed. Um, get under the foreskin, too. Because they often forget that. <laughs> um, splash, get some warm water on it. Warm water opens up the pores and makes it easier for hair to be shaved out. So warm up your dick with some warm water first. You know, run it under some warm water for a bit. Use a good shaving cream. I've noticed that Barbasol is good for your face but not really good for your dick. So if you're going to shave your your groin, I would definitely get some shaving cream that's more like of a lotion texture than the, you know, traditional fluffy like feeling of the Barbasol. Um you definitely want some higher quality shaving cream when working with your dick simply because the skin is so sensitive. So um, shave nice long strokes against the grain when it comes to your pubic hair. Um, be sure to get the hairs out of the razor between every few strokes simply because, you know, the more clogged the razor is, the more likely you are to get bumps. Um, so wash it out with some warm water between every few strokes just to make sure the razor isn't clogged up. Um, and then after... All your strokes have been made. Um, after you've gotten your balls, which along with practice, you'll learn how to not nick <laughs> your balls or whatever. Make sure you use a razor with more than three blades when you're shaving your dick because more blades might seem counterintuitive when it comes to avoiding necks, but it is actually a good thing because, you know, straight razors often have a problem with with nicking areas that are, you know, a lot less flat, a lot more, you know, cylindrical shaped. I would definitely recommend getting a good razor with at least three blades. Um, and then after you're done shaving it, I always like to put on some gold bond powder onto my dick to soothe the pores, which helps prevent the razor burn. It soothes the pores, and it also helps get out any remaining oils in your skin, so acne will be less. Um, and it also provides a cooling sensation that will make irritation feel a lot lower in your balls and give you a smoother texture in the long run. So those are my tips to making <laughs> sure that your balls are nice and clean and nice and shaved and nice and smooth because I take a lot of pride in my dick. I take a lot of pride in making sure it looks good for the camera. So that involves proper shaving techniques. So remember, boys, wash warm water, nice long strokes, 
you know, wash the water, wash the razor with water between every few strokes and then gold bond powder afterwards. You know, I would have sworn you were going to say, I go get waxed. That's how smooth you look. Mm-hmm. Oh, I never have my dick waxed before. I want to try it sometime just to, you know, mm-hmm. try it out. But I've never had it done. I've always worked on it myself. I shave it about once a week or so. Um, I shave it about once a week or so. And I just have been doing it for several years now. And I've just gotten really good at making sure my dick mm-hmm. looks good on camera. Because my dick is my <laughs> money maker, And I love that about it. <laughs> and then... Um... What I always ask every single guest I have on after we've spoken for so long about sometimes sexy things, what is one thing that turns you on? One thing that turns me on, Mm -hmm. like in general? Well, I do love being a big, strong Mm -hmm. dick girl. I'm not going to lie. I do fetishize that about myself quite a bit. I love seeing other trans women find their strength and their identity. I find that incredibly sexy as well. I find, I don't know, when it comes to me being turned on, I think it has more to do with the other person's personality and vibe than it has to do with anything else. If someone's bright, cheery, if they're confident in their self, if they know they're a bad bitch, they know they run shit, they know that they are beautiful and sexy and they portray themselves as such, that's what turns me on the most Mm. in somebody. When they've got that strength Mm -hmm. of confidence and personality, I just find that incredibly Mm. sexy. It's part of the reason why I've always loved your audios, Miss B, because you definitely have that in the way that you speak through Mm. your audios. Um, And I, that's might seem like a cop out answer, (laughs) but that's what I find. The biggest turn on for me is just confidence. Confidence in people is really the make or break thing because they could have the sexiest, most stunning, most picturesque bombshell body ever. But if they are uncertain about themselves, then I'm a little uncertain Mm -hmm. about them, you know? No, great answer. So that's the message I want to get across to all the one, all the little ones who are listening mm-hmm. today. If you want to be viewed as sexy by the people in your life, by the people who you want to attract in your life, you need to first know that you are sexy. You need to own that shit. You need to find how to own that shit, which can be hard mm-hmm. to find sometimes. But let me tell you, as the from the perspective of someone who does porn, sharing my body online and showing it off to the world has definitely improved my sexual confidence mm. quite a bit. There you go. Well, Ma- Cock Mommy Mary Max, you are an absolute treasure. I want to thank you for coming on the Slut Next Door. I've been so excited to do this. So thank you. Yes, of course. Me as well, Miss Beatrix. It was an absolute pleasure speaking Mm. with you today. I've been a fan of your work for quite some time, and it really makes me happy to hear that you have been a fan of mine as well. And I hope that everybody who listened in today enjoyed learning a bit about what it's like to be a transgender Mm. pornographer. And if you want to check her out, 
I'm going to leave her links in the episode description. So you better be a good boy and check her out. I promise you. Yes, come and check me out. You will not be disappointed, little (laughs) ones. There is no better when it comes to women with penises. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Slut Next Door podcast. If you want to follow or support me, check my links in this episode description. And until next time, goodbye.